You are listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I am your host, Celine Yeager. Each week, I bring you advice from athletes, scientists, researchers, and other experts to help you feel and perform your best, no matter what your hormones are doing. This show is a production of Live Feisty Media. Hello, strong, feisty women. So before we get to it this week, I want to share a post that I was tagged in over the weekend in the Hit Play, Not Pause private Facebook group. In it, woman writes, thank you, Celine Yeager, for this podcast. Thanks to episode 24 with Dr. Singh, I was able to recognize that what I first thought was heartburn during a strenuous 15-mile mountain bike ride was actually the beginning of a major heart attack, the so-called widowmaker, even though women are also at risk for this. When my husband and I finished riding, I got really lightheaded. That's when I knew I needed to get to the hospital. The nearest hospital was fortunately only about 15 minutes away. They took me right in and I suffered the heart attack in the ER as they were assessing me. Thanks to a great team of doctors, nurses, paramedics, technology, and most of all, the good Lord above, I survived and remarkably, I have no heart damage. I've got a stent and lots of meds now to hopefully prevent this from happening again. I'm 53, menopausal, and never had any blood pressure or cholesterol issues. I've always been pretty active and eat fairly well. I do have a strong family history of heart disease. Now I'm the youngest in the family to ever have any issues. This was completely unexpected. Know the signs, ladies. Listen to your body and get checked if you're in doubt. Minutes matter and you just might save your life. Wow. So this is the power of our growing community here at Feisty Menopause and Hip Play, Not Pause. So let's keep sharing and growing and helping one another because we are an awesome force for ourselves and for the community at large. Okay, so speaking of the community and sharing, this week we're talking kettlebell training. And I have the kettlebell OG herself, Andrea Duquesne of Andrea Duquesne Kettlebell Fitness. Andrea is the director of certifications for Russian kettlebell certification. And she travels the world certifying instructors and presenting on kettlebell training. She is also trained in martial arts and Pilates and dance, especially tango. We talk about all of that but especially about the unique benefits of kettlebell training for menopausal women. I've often said that if you do no other type of strength training, you should do kettlebell training because it really hits all the boxes. And I believe that even more after our conversation, I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Before we get to it, this is my little weekly reminder to come in and join us in those social media channels I just talked about. We are at Feisty Menopause on Instagram and Facebook. We have that private Hit Play Not Pause Facebook channel where you can come in and join our community. And if you want a deep dive into all things active menopausal living, we've got the Feisty Menopause membership where we offer in-depth materials, expert webinars, and sponsored discounts. You can learn all about that at feistymenopause.com. 
Remember, I have an email. If you have ideas for guests or you want to drop me a line, you can find me at hitplaynotpause at livefeisty.com. And finally, thank you for those reviews and ratings that keep coming in and keep helping me grow this show because you guys are awesome. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, enough of me. Let's have a quick word from our generous and awesome sponsors and get on with the show. Women who ride bikes, and I am most certainly one of them, know that finding women's cycling clothing can be an exercise in frustration, right? And that's why I am so psyched that one of my favorite women-owned and operated clothing companies, Velarosa, has come on as a sponsor of Hit Play, Not Pause. Velarosa's kits feature bold, beautiful, colorful prints and patterns. And the collections, which I really love, are designed so you can mix and match the coordinating pieces to get more mileage out of your cycling wardrobe. Best of all, they fit like a dream. The chamois is super comfortable and perfectly placed. The yoga waistband hugs your midsection without digging in anywhere. And the leg bands are like 100% functional and flattering with no squeezy sausage leg effect that is a big nope for me. Whether you like to ride pavement, gravel, dirt, or your local trail system, Velarosa's got you covered beautifully. And now, thanks to their sponsorship, Hit Play, Not Pause listeners can get 15% off their first order at VelarosaCycling.com. Just enter the code HITPLAY, all caps, one word, at checkout. Again, that's VelarosaCycling.com, the code HITPLAY for 15% off. So go get some sweet Velarosa Cycling clothing today. Like many of you, I try to eat well, train well, take the supplements I need, and track my recovery, sleep, and progress. So imagine my surprise when I found out I had elevated blood sugar, high cortisol, out-of-whack lipids, and was borderline anemic. Yeah, all while I was racing well and feeling actually pretty great. Turns out, all of my training stress was taking a hidden toll. How did I find out? Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is a service that analyzes your blood, DNA, lifestyle, and fitness trackers to provide you a personalized, science-based, trackable action plan on how to live, age, and perform better. Inside Tracker is simpler, cheaper, and more convenient than traditional blood tests, and their blood tests also include biomarkers that are key to performance that you don't get from traditional blood tests like ferritin and vitamin D. My favorite part? They don't just give you data, they provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips to take action. And I've taken those actions myself and have been improving those markers and ultimately my health. So for a limited time, my friends at Inside Tracker are offering my listeners 25% off their entire store. So go to insidetracker.com slash feistymenopause to take advantage of that offer. Again, it's insidetracker.com slash Feisty menopause, I can tell you, it works. What do women want? We want something that's effective. And we want um, something that makes sense to us. 
And I think that women are much more uh, likely, they really get into things I think that require uh, technique and, and some thoughtfulness. I mm-hmm. mean, if you think about even how looking at Pilates is so internal, um, yoga has that, that aspect to it. Well, I think kettlebells is that, but with for strength training and for cardio. So um, I knew that it would be, they'd love it. Um, and also being your fact, you're probably juggling a job, you're juggling children and childcare, you don't have much time. And you can just get a fabulous, you know, metabolic hit uh, workout in 10 minutes, 20 oh, minutes, totally. you know, so. So let's okay. rewind there because yeah. you're, you're, you're answering so many great questions about kettlebells, but how you have, when I looked into you, you have all these certifications, right? You're like, yes. you know, you're I, the laundry list of things, the TRX and everything. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into mm-hmm. some of the other things that are, that I was really interested in later, yeah. like tango. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, but you are now Andrea Duquesne kettlebell fitness. So like kettlebells mm-hmm. are obviously your thing. How did you come into them? Well, so, uh, you know, my, my, my ex, John and I, we still work together or or business partners, so to speak. Um, We had always been very much into fitness and health. And um, back in the day, you know, I mean, I am a little older too. I was kind of that whole aerobics craze and stuff. I mean, I was like, I was kind of a gym rat, a gym rat before they were really gym gym rats. And I, I was not, I mean, I did the ellipticals and the stairmasters, whatever they had. But for me, it was really, I'd be in the, in the weight room because I, I got that. It's, it just seemed, made sense to me. But when I first, when John and I first met, we actually, he got me into martial arts. Mm-hmm. I'd been a dancer. My background was dancing and I'm built like a dancer, um, hypermobile, not a heavy, big gal. Um, so that, you know, I realized that strength is important. So when we did the martial arts, uh, I did that for a number of years and we had a kind of falling out with the the place we were, we got into Tai Chi and, um, and I kind of then started going back to the fitness world. And then, um, I decided to take, it gets in, uh, tr- um, trained in Pilates. So I did some Stott Pilates, um, work, uh, certifications, their mat and reformer, advanced reformer. And then I kind of never continued to pursue it. Cause I kind of just got into this idea that the equipment seemed like, it seemed like a huge investment for a, a lot of it. So, and right at that time we, we, we met Pavel and we started coming out with the kettlebell certifications and we finally had one that was actually, um, one that I could use. Cause I think the, the lightest one was a 16 kilo and with the bigger handle, that was the lightest. Wow. <laughs> that. So it went from 16 to 24 kilos, which is 53 pounds. I was going to say for our audience that does pounds, that's 2.2 times, whatever she's saying. Yeah. yeah. So for me, and again, I was uh, I'm a very, how do I put lean and slight kind of, but I'm, str- I'm strong, but uh, that was a lot of weight. So we came out with the 18 pound or eight kilo. And then we came out uh, with, um, I worked with Pavel with the, on the uh, From Rush With Tough Love aimed at women. Okay. Um, and gosh, that was a long time ago. Um, <laughs> Was it like so you keep saying Pavel, and I'm not really sure. So Pavel Cecilene, he was the Russian trainer who'd emigrated here to the United States. And we met, John and I met him at an open university class, one of those people classes you can just do. And he was doing a workshop on flexibility. He had okay. his own gym and he came with a few of these old kettlebells. And so then John started publishing and we came up with a whole certification. This is gotcha. way back in the day. Nobody knew what they were. 
are very, very, very few people. They are from Russia, right? I mean, I read that. Is that true? Or is that just well, like urban legend? It's kind of, it's, it's true in the sense that they use them more methodically. They use them for training uh, many of their military because they'd be out in these barracks out in the Siberia and they had nothing <laughs> but maybe a pull-up bar and some kettlebells. So yeah. they were, there's actually a history that kind of goes a little further back, but that's kind of um, esoteric, if you will. Um, but they, so they kind of used it more. And, you know, the Russians have always been very good about researching, you know, movement and um, yeah. in that way. So when we met him, things were really already starting to build up, but everything was new, big equipment, you know, the big, shiny uh, machines. And so, and gyms were just kind of getting a little bit more boutique-y, I think, yeah. and more mainstream. Was Nautilus sort of a thing at that point? It was, was that- yes. I think it was starting to be yeah. a thing and uh, Nordic Track was out. So it was starting to really grow, but this was so different and unique and very un how do I put this? Unpolished. Mm-hmm. Un- no, I get it. You know, sort of what CrossFit is today. Yes, is, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So when we uh, we realized, well, we have to, you know, we're just going to go and do our thing, which is is kind of more. It started out being very militaristic. A uh, lot of martial artists, a lot of uh, um, uh, law enforcement, military would come to the workshops, um, and then people that were just kind of really in, on the fringes because they kind of got this and they were already, this is kind of like this really cool new thing that was really rustic and um, tactical. So, but then I, you know, my background coming from both dance and Pilates, I, and also being a woman, realized that, you know, we could appeal to more, bigger, more people. And that would grow the entire, you know, company, but also grow the, you know, spread the word really. Uh, so we started reaching out and getting a lot more personal trainers. And honestly, um, some of the leadership were kind of, they looked down at that a little bit. They were like, we prefer working with military law enforcement, firefighters, really cool people. Um, but that's how it really grew. And when we got more, uh, personal trainers from gyms from all across the country, we started getting more interest with more women. And from there, it, then it became, uh, it grew into kind of a functional, then kind of the functional training. You start hearing that. We had some very, very high level doctors and chiropractors and physical therapists like, like Gray Cook. He's a very big. Oh, yeah. I know. Heard Gray him, Cook. Right? Movement specialist. Movement specialist. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So he came to the workshop and he got really into it and saw it as a corrective functional tour, tool. Hmm rehab almost. Right. So then we kind of swung a little bit kind of in that direction and that kind of went, you know, a little bit almost too restrictive because then, Oh, you can't, you have to test through this screen or you can't. So that kind of, we found a a new, a new balance right around that time. I think CrossFit, um, they came out and they only use kettlebells a little bit kind of as a cross training tool They it, they don't really use it the way we use it. Um, but that mentality came out. If you're not, you know, sweating and vomiting, you're not getting a good workout, uh, uh, which is another systems too. Um, but a lot of people got hurt. And um, so, you know, there's just a lot of good information out there, but there's a lot of not necessarily good information out there. And I think that weeding through this, if you come back to the basics, 
what you have with this tool, and I look at it as a tool, is something that can do incredible good no matter where you are, uh, how active you are, if you're coming back from an injury, how old you are, honestly. But it can also be very destructive, not done correctly. So now we're kind of, you know, it's just, it's everywhere. We're just trying to spread the word of, the, of smart training. And so this brings me, as I've kind of gone along and aged with this, um, and being the fact that I've been very active my whole life, you can't reach a certain age without um, encountering little tweaks, little issues, because I, if you, I like to say, if you, if you use it, it's going to get a little bit abused. If you don't use it, you're just going to fall apart. Right, right. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. So, you know, we have populations of women and men for that matter, that either hit it so hard you know, they're the weekend warriors and then they get injured or broken. Um, or you have the people that are just the couch of potatoes, which is probably the majority of our population. So I like to look at it now as I'm getting older and I'm still active and I like to do, I'm, I do have a lot of hobbies. I want to be able to do them well and enjoy them. And so now it's about training smarter, not harder. And so what's the way to do that? So um, there's a lot of more information about um, aging and fitness. Um, of course, you, you all know about all that and you've researched that, I'm sure. Uh, we know that's important, important to keep moving. As soon as you don't, you die. <laughs> but um, it's not just the way I look at, look at the body um, and why kettlebells in particular is so incredibly useful is because it, it, it is functional. It's stressing the body, but in a way that makes it, fun, it makes it work harder in a very deep way. So you're working all those very small stabilizing muscles, upper and lower body. And it's doing the kind of strength training that doesn't just beat you up or get you big bulky muscles, but makes you dense, resilient, and strong. And so uh, it, it works things like grip, do you know how important grip is? You've probably read the studies. A strong grip correlates with a healthy uh, aging population. So if you are an older person, you've got a weak grip. That means your longevity is going to be decreased by a certain number of years. And I don't yeah. have those exact numbers. No, I know. I've seen those studies. They're very compelling. Exactly. So it's inherent in training with kettlebells, you're going to be working your grip. That's mm -hmm. one example. And of course, you know how you're getting your cardio is also important. Uh, there's been a lot of studies on endurance, long distance runners. So what happens when you, tr when you train that, the muscle that way, which is the heart is a muscle, it can get enlarged. Mm -hmm. and, and a large heart is, a, is a, uh, a dangerous situation, right? You don't want an enlarged heart. What you want is a dense, strong heart with a really strong muscle that's not enlarged because enlarged means it, it actually is decreasing the amount of blood flow that it can pump in and out. So a dense heart. Well, my understanding is just because I've just written about this from men's health is you've kind of want both. Like you want the yes. heart to remodel in a way that is strong and springy yes. because there is some evidence that, that pure power lifters, that's not that's not right. So right. No, no, okay. no, that's not good. Either. And you could probably okay. get, you could probably get an enlarged heart that way too. But when you're uh, just a lot of, of 
of like re repetitive move movement of, of is can make it just can weaker enlarge it and make it weaker. Whereas high intensity is where mm -hmm. you get the muscle, you're getting the aerobic capacity. That's what you're talking right. about, the aerobic capacity. Yeah, the stroke volume and the aerobic capacity, but yep. you also want it to be able to like good a good contraction for a good yes. stroke volume. Yes. yes. We, yeah, so that's, that's what, what hit about. does. Yes. So 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 that's one advantage of hit. And the other advantage of hit is is that you're just not you're just not wearing out the, the body by getting it. You're getting all that intensity in a short period of time. So those are really our advantages of that. Um, I mean, I, what I, is it about the kettlebell before we go too much yep. further that is so special when you're talking about weights? Because there's like there's dumbbells, you know, there's all kinds of weights. Like what what if you can explain to our audience, is it about a kettlebell that, okay. that, that, that bestows these unique advantages to it? I'm glad you asked that question. Um, <laughs> actually, I have a little one here. I see it right behind you. I have so, one over there, but I won't get up and get it. <laughs> no, so um, this is just so a little one. A 25-pound one over there. Yeah. So, um, so if you, you notice that, that first of all, this is, um, what is this? It's about 18 pounds, so just about under, mm -hmm. under 20 pounds. And you'll see that the, the, the way that this is, the weight is, is down below, and then you have a handle. Now, there's different shapes. This is an old-style old one. We don't, ours are different now, but... So when you, when you hold it, the weight is offset. So it's not on my bone structure. And so when I'm, if I'm holding it locked out overhead, my body has to fight and work to stabilize it. The muscles you can't get from just a regular press or if you're, not, if you're pressing really fast. So just by holding it, even holding it here, this is called the rack position, I'm having to use my, my whole core because it's, yep. it's wanting to pull me over. So I'm and having- she's just holding it up at her shoulder with the ball yeah. of the weight over to the outside just, of her. Just, like, just like she was gonna do an overhead press with it yep. at her shoulder, yep. And I'm having to keep my forearm strong. I'm developing good grip strength from holding it. I'm actually, if I'm holding it correctly, I'm gonna tighten my abdominals. I'm gonna tighten my bicep, my pec, and my lat, all the back muscles too. So just from holding it, that's, that's for the strength training part of it. Um, and there's a lot of fun things you can do with it throughout with, in that regard as well. It's, it's a little tougher, tougher to do with a, a dumbbell. For instance, uh, figure eights between the legs. There's a lot of stuff. Now, for the conditioning, this is really, really important. I really want your, your, your audience to hear this. When we, if I had, let's say, a heavy kettlebell and I want to do a deadlift, um, so yes, you can load up more with barbell plates, right? But with a kettlebell, you're going to, you can put the load directly under your center of mass or even behind you. So that's loading the posterior chain more because when you're holding a barbell, it's still in front of the body as you're gripping it. And you're hitting your shins and doing all the kinds of things. You're that scraping people do. your shins, you're hitting <laughs> yeah. your knee and all the other things yeah. that happen. So yeah. it's really effective for that. Besides, you can easily place it. So if I have someone who's a little more deconditioned or someone with knee or hip issues, I can put the kettlebell up on a block so I can load them up with a fair amount of weight. But because I've reduced the range of motion easily and I know they're, they're firing the posterior chain, not their back, I can have them do deadlifts safely. Okay. Now talk about ballistics. Can you take a barbell and swing that between your, your legs for reps? <laughs> <laughs> you can't do it once. Yeah. Right. So, no, no. <laughs> seriously, honestly, uh, if everybody in the world had um, a reasonable weight kettlebell and maybe 
whatever it is, a 16 kilo, even a 12 or even an eight. And all they did were maybe a few deadlifts or, or kettlebell swings, even just two-handed. They're getting developing power of their hips, ballistic explosive power from their glutes. You're getting uh, eccentric loading of the hamstrings and the glutes. You're getting a, 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 um, an eccentric a, a, a contraction as you come, concentric as you're coming up, squeezing the glutes, power, you're breathing, you're raising your heart rate, um, you're getting that hit workout, boom, done. And it just put them underneath your chair, or your couch, or behind them, and you, you've got your workout. You've got your conditioning, and you've got some strengthening. And grip work as well. Uh, the other thing I want to mention, because uh, I don't know about you or you're the people you know, but a, a, a lot of my clients, I've got them going up to 75 years old. And by the way, these ladies are pressing 10 kilos, which is 22 pounds, sometimes 12 kilos. They're snatching that. They're deadlifting 32 kilos, 28, I mean, heavy. And they're, they've been with me for years. They're just amazing. Um, they have most, most of them have some kind of a knee issue. One has had double knee replacement. I've had someone else has had hip surgeries. Um, and yet they can train with kettlebells. People that have foot issues, they can't run. They can't, you know, put a lot of load. They can do kettlebell training. So it's just, I, the list goes on and on of the advantages of using it. Now, I want to say it's a cross training tool. So if you love cycling and you love biking or- you Which love, I do. <laughs> yes. Who doesn't? Or yeah. anything else. Mm -hmm. Go for it. I train competitive athletes. I've trained uh, a couple of uh, competitive uh well, ski, ski, uh, ski racers, uh, classic ski racers, rowers, um, cyclists that are, you know, training for some big races, they cross train with kettlebells. I keep their posterior chain healthy because cycling, you're like this, you want to open and, and get things cleaned up and, and healthy, uh, for power production without the wear and tear in their joints. So it's just, it's really, truly the, uh, the most remarkable tool there is. And I don't care how science can come up with some cool stuff, but this is simplicity at its finest um, that results in, in the kind of results you're looking for. So it's- Yeah. No, and it's been well-researched. I yep. remember Ace yep. did a whole piece on it where they they put them in the lab and they had people do a 20-minute kettlebell workout, and I th which I think was primarily swings, honestly. They didn't do a, yeah, a whole lot more than that. And it really, ch it did check all the boxes, uh, strength, power, metabolically. Yeah. And, you know, and women, as we get into our menopausal and postmenopausal years, like I said, we have to train smart. And, um, you know, I do a lot of, you know, because again, it's a functional tool. There's a lot of things we do um, that are very, uh, you know, we do a lot of single leg work where you're, you're loading up one side or the other side of the body. You can hold it in different holds. You can hold it in the farmer suitcase position or a rack position overhead. There's so much you can do that creates that challenges our stability and our balance that we need to build. Um, that it's just, so it's making all my, my clients stronger so they can go off and do the things they want to do. Um, but as we say, falling is the, it's basically the kiss of death. I mean, you might as well just be prepared to, if you've got a, a senior or a family member that has fallen and I have a number of my, in my, my life that have fallen and they've died within a few months. 
Um, so it's serious business. Yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's very serious. So we don't want to fall. We want to have good balance and good strength. We know our joints start to wear out and that's not a good thing. We don't want, uh, we want to protect them as much as possible. So we want to train smart. And Mm -hmm. part of that is the right tools and the tools that you're using. Um, yeah, there's something else I was going to say, but I, it'll come to me a little later, but yes, absolutely. Super important. We'll get right back to my interview with Andrea Duquesne in a minute. But first, I want to share a bit of exciting news. We are having a Feisty Menopause Summit. It is no secret to any of you listening that menopause is having a moment. And we, active menopausal women, are having our moment right now. And well, Feisty Menopause is taking that moment and creating a movement for active, performance-minded women who are not willing to stop just because their periods are. The summit will be an interactive, immersive online learning experience taking place September 24th through the 26th. We're going to feature two days of menopause performance content from top experts in their fields, including training, nutrition, symptom management, mindset, and much more. I already have nearly two dozen experts lined up, including Dr. Stacey Sims, Amanda Thebe, Casey Duke, and many more that I cannot wait to share with you. You can get your tickets at feistymenopause.com. Just hit the tab in the upper right-hand corner for the Menopause Summit, and I'll see you there. Okay, let's get right back to that interview. So a couple questions jumping off of that. Like, how often do you or do you have people train with kettlebells? And the next thing would be, if someone is brand new to them, where do they start? Good questions. Um, Very flexible. Um, well, for, I'm my, for my, myself, I, I, I teach four group classes right now. They're all on zoom. Cause it's a long story, but the gal I was renting space from couldn't, she doesn't room for me anymore. Cause she had to move twice <laughs> during the pandemic. Um, and I travel teaching kettlebells. I work administratively. So I teach four classes a week and that's a good number. So do all my clients do all four of them? No, most of them do about three. Um, some do four, some just do one. Um, many of them are doing other things when I'm programming for people that are doing other types of activity. I've got one gal who competes, um, she's in her forties and she, she just want to meet uh, virtual meet. Um, she's a power lifter. So she's training with kettlebells. We're trying to work on her thoracic spine mobility. Cause another thing that you get with kettlebell training is we were, it's challenges and opens you up and you get, uh, uh to work on your mobility in, in a different way. Uh, and so she's training with that. So I program workouts for her. I've got another gentleman who does, uh, he's in the gym with another trainer a couple times a week. And then he does my, the kettlebell training. So I, I program it along with what they're doing. So anywhere from, I mean, it's depending again, other activities you're doing could be anywhere from two to four times a week or five. The, it's just how you approach your workout. So for instance, the more workouts you do per week, you have to really be careful. Of course, you don't want to overtrain. That right. is very common as we get older. So if you're going, let's say you, um, let's say you do a lot of spinning or a lot of cycling, what you want to think of yourself, what do I need? Well, you need to do a lot of posterior chain work because you're not getting any. You need to do a lot of things that are going to strengthen your back and help your posture because you're not getting much. And when you I, say open up, that's what you mean. You said open yes. up a few times. You need you're a, talking, you need hey, a, she's showing like the shoulders yeah. back, the chest open. Yes. 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 Because okay. yeah. that's going to help you have better, not only 
better posture, less pain, uh, right. healthier sh shoulder movement, and so forth. Um, you need more glute work because if um, I like to say a big butt, it's a ha happy back. And all my ladies say, oh, I got too big of a butt. I said, no, you want, a good butt. <laughs> yeah. you want a good butt. And it's not just aesthetically, it's actually functionally the most important because that's what's supporting us. That's what's lifting. That's what's moving so forth. So you don't get that on a cycle so much. Um, oftentimes, now you can cycle without a butt. All you need is a pair of quads. I know. <laughs> you have, true. You watch, I know. They, they have huge quads, no butt, no. So you yeah. need to do a lot of training to keep yourself fit so that you can continue cycling. So anywhere from, like I said, two to five times a week. And if you're doing more, for instance, let's say you're doing up to five class, uh, times working out, then you might want to cycle it where you have two of those are, are focused more on strength, which would be your squatting, your deadlifts, your single leg work, uh, different types of pressing or and some pulling movements, more of that. And then maybe a couple that are more cardio focused, or you look at it as I'm going to hit the more pulling movements, which would be like deadlifts and some rowing on one day and more pushing movements on another day. Um, or you keep the, the workouts more similar, but you, you, you increase the load or you increase the volume or the intensity so that you're not, it's not the same level every class or every time you work. Right. Obviously. Um, but just because people need to know that, but that's, what's nice about this. You can do you could do it every day. In fact, what I do recommend for people that work a lot and they're at a desk, if you can keep a, a kettlebell in your office, you know, get up every set your time or get up every hour and do 20 swings, do 50 swings, boom, just hit it out. Boom, boom, boom. Or if you have two bells, do some uh, double kettlebell. They have to learn how to do double swan, uh, double cleans, but double clean squat presses. Just do a couple, like a three sets of that or a, a descending ladder, five, four, three, two, one, boom, sit back down at your desk. You barely broke a sweat, but your metabolism is like up through the roof. So we call those workout snacks. So you can do like little workout snacks with a kettlebell because it's very functional and it's working the whole body. It's not just isolating muscle. Um, so when I say it's very, um, it's a very flexible tool, it is. I mean, you can really design and work with it to suit any need that you have. Um, but for the average person, I would say three to four workouts a week, whether it's a group class or something you're doing on your own. Um, and then that gives you plenty of time to do anything else you, you want to do. If you're a swimmer, you're a cyclist, you hike a lot, you sail, you dance, whatever. Um, and then when you're starting out, um, you know, the, it's, it's scary. It's a scary looking tool. I will admit, um, generally people, ladies, you know, oftentimes start with an 18 kilo. I kind of like to have them start a little heavier because the biggest bang for your, your, your money in the beginning stages are your deadlifts and your swings, your farmer carries your rack carries, and you can just cheat curl it up. Um, maybe some little rows and you, if you go too light, it's easy to just kind of use your arm and use your back. But even an 18 kilo or 12 kilo is gonna get you a good workout um, initially. Um, and I usually recommend having something lighter and something heavier. And then, then I go into the more, uh, I guess, complicated movements like the get up, which is, it's almost like it's- Th That is a very complicated movement. It's That's complicated. a movement, the Turkish get up is what you're referring to that I've heard yes. it's called, it's where you're on the floor, and I still, honestly, because I'm not that deep into them, I just do the basics. Like you lay there and the thing it's up, 
in the air and I have no idea what I'm supposed to be doing. I have the thing th- like laying there and I'm holding it up in the air and now I'm like, now what? Right. Yeah. It's, 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 um, well, it's very, it is challenging because it's, uh, requires a, a, a lot of coordination. And now that's a whole other thing. Let's talk about that for a second. If you're the type of athlete that your whole life you've been a runner or just a cyclist, you probably don't have a lot of good spatial awareness and awareness of your body and space, right? That kind of proprioception. Um, now, if you come from a background of martial arts, dance, uh, figure skating, um, that type of thing, you're, or even I think hockey probably also, um, you're going to have a lot more spatial awareness of moving your body in space. So the get up is a great way to teach you how to do that coordination. Yeah, uh, yeah. It is really an incredible exercise, which yes, you can do that with a dumbbell. But again, remember I mentioned earlier that offset weight mm-hmm. is working your stabilizers through every range of motion. So when you're just at, you're lying on your back with your arms here, then you go to the kneeling uh, windmill and your arm is, is at this angle and then it gets overhead. So from all these different angles, you're having to learn how to stabilize that weight and support it overhead with a vertical arm and your body is moving around it. So it's, it, incorpor- it in, uh, incorporates uh, a number of very, very important movement patterns. One of the, which is a rolling pattern, like you're doing a sit up, you're rolling a cross body rolling pattern, which is uh, actually very important neurologically for coordination. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's mobility through the hips, swinging that leg through and understanding of how you hinge and you rotate the T-spine. You're not kind of torquing at the, at the pelvis. Then you're coming through and getting into an inline lunge with those 90, 90 angles of the knees, standing up from a deep lunge with your arm locked out overhead. Very challenging. Um, and then going and back And you're down. getting off the floor. Oh yeah, you're standing. Let's, all the way let's up. not under. Well, I know, but I mean, I don't want to underestimate the importance of that. Yes, yes. Like, like being able to when I when I talk to it's funny when I talk to Kelly Starrett, uh, the mobility, the ready state guy. He, I mean, one of the big things he emphasizes is sitting on the floor and getting off the floor. Like just like just that alone is a incredibly important functional exercise, let alone now we're talking about like from lying down with this offset weight, you know, going through all these motions. But if you can do that, like that, the functionality of that through your life is, is I, I don't think you can underestimate it or overestimate. Excellent. Excellent. And well said. Absolutely. Uh, If you, if people have grandchildren, which I just got my first this past year, (gasps) super fun. Oh my gosh. Um, it is so important because uh, you don't know what's going to happen. And uh, another not so fun story, but um, a neighbor next door neighbor uh, was it during COVID? I, it was in April, yeah. So just when a year ago, um, our, she's older. She'd had a fall before down her basement steps, and they'd come back home finally. And she was sort of never quite the same after that. So we get a call from a neighbor saying we haven't heard. We can't reach her. We can't reach her. It was like on a Sunday. And uh, so we went, we have a key because we kind of just keep our eye on her, went in and she had fallen next to her, her toilet and she was stuck there for probably hours. She was, was talking, uh, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, she couldn't. Yeah, no, it's real. I mean, that is, yeah. that is, yeah. you know, it's everyone, real. there's the, the whole jokey, I fall on and can't get up thing, but my grandmother laid there for a long time too, before someone found her, you know, she was 96, she survived yeah. for an, yeah. another yeah. three years, which is amazing. 
but it is a thing and being strong yep. is important and being able to get off the floor. And if you're doing it with weight, even yep. better. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So that coordination and that, that ability to move your body and understand is important. And that, you know, goes with understanding your, your body, because as we get older, of course, you're going to maybe develop a knee issue. Maybe you're going to have a hip issue. Maybe you can have a replacement of your hip or, or your knee or your wrist has issues. So there's a lot of things you have to learn how to kind of move with and around. Um, so again, this is kind of, it's part of our whole program that how we teach is it is very full body and it's, it's, um, you know, very functional, but yeah. So that is, I have to say, I don't start teaching my brand new people to get up right away. I might get them mm -hmm. to do part of some bit of it. Um, mm -hmm. because it's just, it's a little bit of a brain thing. It's very draining for people to, to try to learn this movement. It can be very frustrating and, um, you know, people want to work up a sweat at some point. So I usually wait a little bit before I introduce it, but I do parts of it. Um, even just like a get up, sit up, imagine, you're going to do that rolling pattern with your arm locked out to get up to here and then roll back down with that weight um, and controlling it. Right. And that's, that's uh takes a lot of control and it's really a good ab exercise. It's shoulder stability and all that too. So um, yeah, it's just another, another thing to put in the pile of what right? it's such a good right, right. tool. So, so where, where do they, where do they start? I mean, do you, hmm. you know, I would do say they, a class? I mean, it's a class. I would recommend honest, to be honest, you know, for most people to try to find an instructor. Um, you know, obviously if you can get in person, that's great. Someone who has been trained, you know, of course I prefer the RKC or HKC trained person, someone who has, you know, they have the knowledge. There are other systems, some are better than others. Um, but uh, you want someone who understands the principles behind what we're doing, because this is, it's much more martial arts based in a sense of how we approach the body. So every single thing we do, and when I ask someone, I make them a changes in their alignment, or I, I make a little tweak here or there in their movement. I'm not just doing it because, you know, I want to be difficult. I'm doing it because there's a reason. And I personally like to educate my people. This is why I'm doing this. Um, and so they, under, they get the, uh, that knowledge makes them sm smarter, right? And that smart will make them stronger. Um, but to try to find an instructor um, that has some actual training that really understands the system. Um, then um, if, you're, if, you feel, if you're pretty healthy and fit, you could probably jump into a class. You could probably find something online and do, and do that. But I, you, you, and yes, there are some books and DVDs out there. Um, if you're again, really, uh, talented with movement and so forth, you could try that. Um, there's lots of, in fact, um, Dragador, we just came out with a, a user's course. It's called hard style fit. And it takes you through basically all of our, it's almost, it's all of our, our foundational, all of it, all the information on how to do the movements correctly. We've got two different levels. So you learn and then you, then you, you watch the videos, you take a little test, you have all the information, you submit your videos. It's usually me or sometimes someone else reviewing your movement. And then you're listed as, uh, you know, you've gone through the hard style fit. You're not an instructor, but you have learned it for yourself. And uh, so online courses like that, that really, that you get some feedback um, are important because it's the type of thing that can be easy to cheat a little bit, you know, or you think, not that you're trying to, but you think you're doing it right, but it's, 
it's much deeper than that. And like I said, there's a lot of principles of movement and structure and foundation that we're teaching that once you understand it, okay, you're good to go. You know, it's like riding a bicycle, but until you do, that's when you can risk, Oh, I tweaked my, my back. I tweaked my arm. And you always hear that somebody didn't learn it right. And they went in their doctor said, Oh, you're doing it wrong. Or don't do this is a bad thing. No, it's not. A, it's not the, the tools, not the bad thing. It's the user. Right. So get some good instruction or find somebody um, that has, you know, some good movement. And how can you tell? They should be able to explain why they're having you do it a certain way. It should make sense. Like your lower body is stronger than your upper body. And you should be a lot of focus on that. There should be a lot of understanding of why the breath is important in your movement. Um, uh, things like that. So make sure you, you can find someone who's good, who has some training and experience and either work with them in person or online, get some feedback. Once you feel pretty good and you're in, in your, okay. If your butt's not sore or your lats and the back here, you know, and you're in your, your arm, you know, your whole body feels nicely worked out. There's something wrong. If you're doing swings, you don't feel your butt at all. <laughs> or you're doing squats, you don't feel your butt at all. Right. then something might be wrong. If you're feeling it in your lower back, something right. is wrong. Yes. So, yes. you know, I like to try to have my clients internalize their movement. Where are you feeling? I'm always asking, where did you feel that? What did you feel? Um, explain it. Um, kind of understand it because that's how you're learning to internalize it. Obviously, I'm a person who doesn't believe that people should be um, dependent upon me it's not a very good business model, <laughs> but from the very beginning, I've always told my people, get your own bells. And then as you go through classes and you work with me, you're going to, you're going to learn how to do this. So you should be able to, okay, I'm going to go away for the weekend. I have a bell. I can do some simple things, right? You, it's our job to be healthy. It's our job. We can't rely on someone else to make us do that. So think of it as a journey of education for yourself. Um, and that's, it's, it's, we're tr training our bodies, just not working out. So train your weaknesses. You'll always get a good workout on what feels good. But if you know, you're kind of weak and you say, I don't, don't like to do this exercise because it's hard. That's probably reason for it. And then ask yourself, what, where am I feeling it? How do I feel afterwards? Um, am I feeling it in the right places that the, my instructor told me, or the book or the video said, if I'm not feeling it there, maybe I need to, to seek some you know, a little bit more advice. But like I said, I have people that are in their mid seventies that are training with me and have for years um, and young people too. So it's from young to old, it's from uh, uh, elite athletes to people just want to get a, a, a workout. So it's for everybody. It's just like, it's how you use the tool and making sure you get the right information um, and start, you know, start gradual. Don't, don't hit it too hard too soon. Um, I bet there's a lot of gals who follow the podcast that are pretty hardcore and they want to hit it hard mm -hmm. and good for you. However, you know, just take my advice and take it easy because this, when you use kettlebells for the first couple of times, you're going to feel things you never thought you could ever feel. And it's going to be like, what? well, my gosh, you're going to feel like you maybe were right. If you hit, if you have a hard workout, even I still get this. I feel like I can hardly sit down on the toilet. My butt hurts so bad. <laughs> My hamstrings. Oh my gosh. I never knew I had those muscles in my upper mid back that are stabilizing my scapula. Right. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, and yes, a little of this, a little of the bite, you know, the muscles that everybody works is bicep and pec. Right. 
but you get all these muscles. It's all those tiny muscles and you feel like, wow. And when you first start training with them, you'll really feel it. Mm-hmm. So if you're not used to a few DOMS, a little muscle, delayed muscle soreness onset, you're going to be in for a surprise, but don't let that, you know, worry you because just wait a few days, a little hair of the dog that bit you a few more swings <laughs> the right, next right. day and, um, and then working more gradually. But how long does that usually take for someone who's new to kettlebells to like not have that DOMS phenomenon? Right. You know? Um, you know, it, it depends on how regular they are, but because sometimes people just say, oh, wow, I got to rest a whole week, but don't, you know, keep moving, yeah. uh, go for walks, do a few more. I'd say a couple of weeks and it depends yeah. on how hard. So if you start really lightly, you want to feel, okay, I feel, I felt a little workout. I felt, you know, a little glute, hammy, um, mid back, whatever, lat triceps, uh, maybe I'll do a little harder and then, you know, gradually build up with volume and load. Um, and then again, always listen to your body and you will be sore. I mean, I'm sore for my class yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Single- yeah. But uh, we get this question all the time and it's an interesting one. You know, you, you don't need to be sore to have done your body some good too. Like, I mean, no, exactly. I, you know, people like have that yeah. and it depends on the time of year. Right. So like yeah. at this time of year, when I have events every weekend on my bike that are up to like 150 miles long or whatever, I'm using kettlebells to stay mobile, to activate my glutes, to do all that kind of stuff. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not doing high reps. I'm not doing it. It's it's sort of a maintenance and an activation and a mobility thing as opposed to anything that's going to make me sore. Like I'm not looking for it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's an interesting thing because you're actually, you're, um, you're, you're moving up to a peak because you're, you're in your kind of com- your competition or your training season. So there's off season and, uh, and in season, right? Yes. So in for, if you're at, there are athletes out there that are ready to, and most of our athletes, I won't say most, but many are, they're triathletes or right. runners. Yep. They're yep. yeah. So exactly. So when you come to this point, you're just doing a lot of corrective work, which would be the things like the, uh, the kneeling windmill stuff, the, the get up stuff, um, some rows, some single leg deadlift, some, you know, and when you do swings, power swings, single rep swings, single rep, well, one rep at a time with just pure power production. Cause what you want is you want to develop that power through those legs to get up those hills. Right. Um, but not a lot of volume, but really good intensity because you want to keep yourself fresh from your, your rides. And then the off season, you hit it hard. You really work on getting strength and, and all that. So absolutely. Absolutely. So you got to be aware of that. Yeah. So it is a good cross training tool for the, for those endurance athletes, especially oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you say that? Well, you know, because um, there's a lot of impact from just hitting the road. Um, there's a tendency that you kind of like things start kind of collapsing in the upper, in the upper body. Uh, the abs can get very, very weak. Um, and so that can start cr- creating problems, right? You might start getting a little, some issues because you're favoring one leg, something happens with the foot. So you want to really make sure you're training just to kind of keep the posterior chain really strong, keep the core strong too. And then when you're doing your swings, you're working on that, again, the power production and the, and that hit. So, um, you're still getting your heart rate up, but you're not having to put all the extra miles under those feet. And so that's good because, you know, that every time you do this, a lot of force going through the body, going up through those, those feet, ankles, knees, hips, lower back, right? So anything you could do to keep your uh, cardiovascular and your muscle strong without having to do that 
is a good thing. And you can do right. that with swings. Right, right, right. So, so it works really well for that because it's all that impact. You know, this, it's a little different, obviously, with cycling because you don't have that impact you're worrying about. Um, you do have a lot of repetitive motion on the hips and, and everything, though. And the hip flexors can get really cranky um, and tight. So and that can cause, you know, other issues. But this kettlebells is the best tool to, to fix all that. Lots of exercises that just can target that completely. And, um, you know, it's really true, but the older we get, the more we need to focus on our correctives. Like, so, you know, when I think about how I programmed classes when I was younger, you know, had my warm up and all just hit things hard. Now I do spend a, a fair amount of time in the, in the, after the initial warm up, doing almost, um, almost like Pilates based, a lot of internal stuff, a lot of real deep core things, a little bit of band work, just making um, sure things are really activated, make sure we always get a good uh, stretch. So all those correctives that everybody have our, has our own, I'm always trying to kind of, you know, use fire hose and hit everybody, but you should know what you're, what you need to do. Um, I'm sure many of them have gone to a physical therapist for in the past, keep all those little papers they give you because whatever it is will come back to haunt you at some point and you're going to want to review it. Don't forget them. They're not fun, <clears throat> but they're important to keep track of. So, yeah. So you mentioned in, in some of uh, your writings, and I want to differentiate this for our audience, that uh, kettlebells are sort of the epitome of hit. Like we talked about mm -hmm. hit before. Uh, mm -hmm. How, how, are, how is what you do with the kettlebells when you're doing hit different from what you're doing when you're doing power and strength? Or are, are you, are, are do those well, two things intersect? A, yeah, they, they do intersect um, with kettlebells because it's just the way the tool is. Right. Um, so for instance, when you think about, oh, I'm going to go for a run or a jog, you know, people are just going out there. This is kind of easy pace or whatever pace they have that feels comfortable for over a length of time you know, their heart rate's going to get up to a point, probably stay there, you know, for a big portion of it. Um, and that's great. Unless you do sprints, which are awesome and do hit within that. Um, with kettlebell training, you can't really just kind of, it's really hard just to do <clears throat> that easy kind of thing because I mean, yes, you can do a point if you just go really light and you just do a few reps, but if you're doing it the way it's meant to be done, it's very explosive and you're loaded up enough that it's intense. So you have to, I mean, 30 seconds is, so, you know, oftentimes I'll program it where it's either sets or reps or sometimes it's timed. So if it's timed, it's anywhere from 25 seconds of work to 30 seconds of work. And then I, I vary the rest period, um, but you have to have a rest because you're just, you're up here. I mean, it just, it spikes you, you're moving iron. So, you know, one of the differences is that you're unlike, um, when you're doing a, a run or, or jogging or, or cycling, you're moving your body in space. When you're using a kettlebell, you're moving your body and a load. So that exterior load, of course, because of gravity, it just goes straight up with what you're actually lifting. That has a huge metabolic um, impact on the body. Um, so uh, you can just hit that hard. So you can think of it as doing, okay, I'm going to do a kind of a hit workout where I'm going to do maybe 25, you're going to do 30, 30, or you can do 25, 25, you can do 30, 25. You can play around with that. And I'm going to go for total time, maybe 10 to 20 minutes. Well, if you, if you have enough load, you're just 
suck in wind, you know, oh, just yeah. it's incredible, mm-hmm. right? And your glutes are on fire. Everything should be on fire. <clears throat> you can also do it so it's a little bit more um, anabolic with it. So for instance, this is a great thing I just did recently. And it's hard. It's really hard. You do like a set of, let's say 10 to 15, two-handed swings, something heavy, fairly heavy. Then you immediately do five to 10 goblet squats, not, not double front squats, just goblet, but you know, you're going all the way down. We go really low with the neutral spine and the way we train and up and you have to b- control your breathing because you're loaded. So you have to, you have to inhale as you go down, exhale as you come up on those squats, your heart rate's already up because you sw- you were swinging. Now you have to control your breath. So you're going back and forth between an anabolic and an aerobic workout. And it's all muscle. It's all, you know, it's all muscle. Another example would be because of the way you can train with kettlebells is doing something like a, a clean squat presses. So you add the clean in there every time. So that's a kind of a ballistic. You squat, you exhale, and you press. And you have to maintain the breathing because when I talked about breath earlier, it is what protects your back. It is also what makes you strong and explosive. So you have a certain breathing pattern you have to follow when you do your clean. You inhale in the backswing. You exhale as a hip lockout and then you hold it then you inhale as you go down to the squat you exhale as you drive all the way up to the lockout and you inhale here take a little breath in repeat so you do whether it's a set or an ascending ladder or a descending ladder of those you're just gasping for air so again it's more anaerobic a little aerobic it's it's very intense and it's strengthening too so yeah there's a yeah a lot of ways you can do it or uh, simply the power swings, just taking a heavy kettlebell with two hands and just doing, you hike it back, you explode as hard as you can, project that bell forward, absorb it back between your legs and set it down on the ground and then do one more. So oh one rep at a time <laughs> yeah. it, it, with a heavy bell. That sounds very hard. I have not done many of those. Yes. It's really hard in a yeah. nice, in a good way. Yeah. I mean, you feel it. So yeah. there's, yeah, it's just... Uh, there's a lot, a lot of fun things. As I like to tell my ladies, give me some ideas. And they're always afraid because then they give me some ideas and then the class goes off and they're like, well, you killed us. No, I didn't kill you, but it was fun. But there's so many ways to work it. Practical so. question. Mm-hmm. Um, if I wanted to buy kettlebells for myself, like it's a, that, that is a little intimidating to me to think mm-hmm. like, what, what do mm-hmm. I need? Because I go to the gym and there's every single size I could want, right? Like I right. can take my pick are the are the adjustable ones is there any benefit is there anything good have you seen the adjustable ones and are they any good and what would you recommend women get in a range if they wanted to work out at home okay good question i have seen the adjustable ones i they're probably okay for certain exercises i think they'd be very uncomfortable because of the way they're designed to hold in the rack position i wouldn't even dare snatching them if you don't have the right kind of bell, it just is hard. Of course, the technique's advanced, but that'd be hard. Uh, so for some exercises, I'm, I'm sure they'd be okay. Um, I mean, nowadays you can go to, you know, you know, I mean, obviously Dragon Doors, they're not cheap, but they're the best bell because we've designed them so that the finish is correct. The hand distance from the handle to the bell, the, uh, the diameter of the handles, they're all kind of done. So we, they work great with snatches and cleans and, they just have the best feel in the hand, but, um, but there, you could go and get a, a, a light bell. So I'd recommend if someone's going to start out, if you're a reasonably strong woman, you could start out with maybe 
an, uh, an 18 pound or an eight kilo for more of an upper body. And that might even be hard initially. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then get something a little heavier for your swings, for your deadlifts and swings. So for instance, maybe a 12 to start with or a 16. Now 16 is going to feel really, really heavy kilos, right? So it's like 35 or 36 pounds or, uh, and it will feel heavy initially for sure. Oh, it's going to feel heavy. But remember we don't, we're not using our arms. Yes. We're using our legs and our butt to lift them. So when you start with those deadlifts and then swings, I'm not lifting with my arms. And that's why if you go too light, yeah, you're probably lifting with your arms because you can't, I can't do a front raise with it, you know? Right, right, right. So you're just, you're just hiking it back as far and deep as you can. Like you're sitting in a chair and then you explode up, you stand up like you're doing a vertical jump. You finish those hips, you squeeze the glutes, you feel the stretch through the front of the hips and the hip flexors, lock the knees, and that projects the bell forward. And I don't care how, how high it goes. I mean, it should only go in a range. It should never go super high. Um, but so for a lot of people, maybe like, an, yeah, uh, if you a 15 or an 18 pound to the lighter side to a, a 12 or a 26 to a 35 pound, maybe for, you know, lower body. And then for for deadlifts, you might even want two bells. You could use both and, you know, for the enough load on swings, two-handed, then you'll get good and you'll feel, you could do single arm swings with them. So that's a good one to start with. Absolutely. Yeah. Excellent. So I don't want to let you go before I ask about some of your other pursuits, because I'm curious about them. Um, what is Argentine tango that you that you are involved with. I saw yes. Um, wow. And you know, funny thing is I, I just, I started dancing at almost the same time I started kettlebell. So I've been doing it a long time. I teach at the university here. I, I just started back my in-person classes last night, as a matter of fact. Um, oh, congratulations. Yeah. Felt good. Um, yeah. So Argentine tango is, it's really uh, a cultural phenomena. Um, it's very different than what you would see in, in regular ballroom or what they call American tango. Um, it's a, a lead follow style of dance. Um, it's the music is very specific, um, but you can dance actually to pop and to many different types of music, but the genre is very beautiful and haunting. It has a bandoneon and, and sometimes violins. It's very, it's, it's very old, it's very heartfelt. And where it came from was uh, the Bordellos of, of Buenos Aires uh, when immigrants came in from Germany and from Italy um, and from Spain and they were, the men would come to try to make money and send it back to the, the home country and they were alone. So they were basically were, were in the Bardellos and the brothels of Buenos Aires lonely and waiting. So they started playing music. They brought some of their music with them. And then there's also some of the, the, um, the native music. There's also some, uh, some, uh, from, from Africa, some slaves. And then there were some, some of the native, uh, uh, um, uh, Hispanics from the area, um, that, kind of created some music that had a little bit of a different beat and they all came into what became eventually tango. So the men would be waiting for a, a lady to make them feel more at home, I guess. And <laughs> they danced together. And then of course it became more popular and eventually it became so popular, it came back to the US and, and Paris and Germany and, and Europe. And then the ballroom world kind of took it on. This is about the turn of the century, I think. Um, and then it got very, very, very popular in the 30s and uh, 40s. So now it's kind of re- re- rever- resurgence in the last probably 15, 20 years. And there's modern orchestras um, like Oton Project is a tango orchestra. Um, and 
So it's a very, um, it's a very heartfelt dance. In general, they dance, we call close embrace. We call it one heart, four feet, because you're dancing mm -hmm. chest to chest. Mm -hmm. And it's lead follow. So the, the leader choreographs on the follower. So she does not know anything he's going to do. There's a structure to the dance and a language, but there's no real preconceived steps. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's the learning curve, especially for the men is uh, the leaders are a little bit steep, but it's so haunting and so beautiful. Um, we don't put the rose in our mouth and do dramatic right, stuff. Right, right. <laughs> um, but, and there's three rhythms. There's kind of a, a march rhythm called milonga. There's a vals or waltz rhythm. And then there's a regular um, four, four rhythm uh, or two, four. And so it's uh yeah, it's very beautiful. There's, you can find it in every city. I've danced across the world. You can find it in every city. And it's very um, kind of almost meditative and it, uh, very deep. It tends to attract a little bit of an older crowd because it's not so, you know, um, it takes a little longer to learn it. But it's what you're, you're, you're in an embrace of someone and you complete stranger, you meet them, you change partners and you can close your eyes and listen to the music and you're just become one with the music and your partners. It's amazing. It takes some time to get there, but it's, it's, it's just a lovely dance. Um, and you can dance it to, like I said, many types of music, but, uh, go and, and check out some of the videos. Um, um, yeah, there's some great, uh, YouTube videos of some of really high level dancers. Um, That's so interesting. Name. And, uh, uh, and Gotan, that's a modern orchestra, but if you Googled it, Argentine Tango, you'll find, come up with a lot of stuff. It's a beautiful dance. And um, I have a number of teachers uh, that travel around the world that, have, that uh, have trained with me and dancers from around the country that are doing my kettlebell classes to become better dancers because it's good for I don't, all dancing, of course, that getting good balance and good mm -hmm. posture. So mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if you're dancing salsa or swing or tango or zouk or any of the new dances. Um, you know, you want to have good balance, good posture, good movement. So, cool. and I believe everybody should have a passion. Um, and maybe fitness is your passion. Um, it's something I do. I've just always do it. Um, but having other things that you love to do too, because that fills our soul. Um, and that's what we need, especially in these two crazy, crazy times. <laughs> do you still do martial arts? I don't do any martial arts anymore. Um, the last one I was doing was a lot of Tai Chi and Qigong. And actually I've been thinking about getting back into it because it's a wonderful way to get everything moving and to get your breath working to release stress. Uh, it's great for the joints. Um, I love Tai Chi and Qigong in particular. Um, but uh, when, especially as you get older, they, they say, they talk a lot about cultivating Qi. That means creating it. When I was a younger person, I, I tend to have a lot of, at least my uh, Chinese doctors would say that I had a lot of qi, you know, a lot of yang. So I needed to let I could see that. <laughs> yeah. I could see that just from talking to you. <laughs> yeah. So I needed to let it out. So um, right. now I realize, no, I need to cultivate it. So um, it's kind of, um, you know, it's like doing a, a vinyasa uh, flowing yoga. It's breath mm -hmm. and movement. And so Tai Chi is standing and it's, it's very good. I'd highly recommend it. And actually we have a few, we, uh, John Duquesne, my ex, he has some videos out that are simple to follow that are, are great. Um, on some chi Qigong, Qigong, Qigong recharge is one of them. That's, it's, it's not the whole long form. Um, and you can do it and just, your hands will almost start to tingle. Your feet will tingle because you're just getting the blood to flow. Um, 
So I, I believe in, yes, some kind of uh, internal work, whether right now dancing, tango is almost an internal martial arts for me, that meditation, or maybe it's yoga, maybe it's tai chi, something that's kind of drawing you inwards as well as drawing you outwards. And that's kind of that yin-yang um, balance we should find in our life if we can, if we're lucky enough. Hit Play, Not Pause is proud to be sponsored by Noon Hydration in 2021. I have been a huge fan of Noon for well over a decade. They have products for immunity, recovery, getting a good night's rest, and I absolutely swear by their Podium series, which include branch chain amino acids that are super important for women during and after menopause. So show your support and head over to noonlife.com. That's noon, N-U-U-N, life, one word. And use the code FEISTYMENOPAUSE, again, one word, with a capital F and a capital M, for 30%, yes, 30% off of all of Noon's amazing products. Again, noonlife.com, use the code FEISTYMENOPAUSE, with a capital F and a capital M, and get 30% off of anything you want. Check it out. Well, that's our show. Join me next week when I sit down with neuroscientist Dr. Sarah McKay, author of The Women's Brain Book. We talk all about what happens inside our brains and our bodies as we move through menopause, and it's fascinating. You will not want to miss this discussion, so come on back next week. And until then, as always, stay feisty. You've been listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I'm your host, Celine Yeager. The show is edited and produced by the strong, talented, and amazing women at Live Feisty Media. Follow us on social media at Feisty Menopause, and please help us spread the word. Screenshot and share this episode on your social media channels with the tag at Feisty Menopause. Share the show with your friends, and please subscribe, like, review, and rate this show wherever you get your podcasts. Word of mouth and good reviews make it easier for other listeners to find. Thanks for listening, and as always, stay feisty. Stay feisty.